I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that honors the dead by sharing their stories with the living. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're paying tribute to a group of black women who were forced to make an impossible choice while dealing with one of the worst personal tragedies imaginable. Their response challenged the injustices of segregation, foreshadowed the civil rights movement to come, and honored the sacrifice of black soldiers past, present, and future. The day was May 29, 1930. The U.S. War Department insisted that black mothers and widows must travel on segregated boats in order to visit their loved ones' graves in Europe. The federal government had invited the families of veterans killed during World War II to make a pilgrimage to France, where the fallen soldiers had been buried. The Department of War would organize the trips and cover all expenses, including food, travel, and lodging. The program was open to all Gold Star widows and spouses, regardless of race. But there was one condition. All black participants had to agree to travel on separate boats and stay in different hotels than the white women. Even though they would be abroad, America's segregation laws would still be observed. And even though their sons and husbands had given their lives, they would still be treated as second-class citizens by their own government. A group of 55 black mothers and widows petitioned President Hoover to allow all of the grieving women to travel together, but the administration was adamant, and on May 29th, the request was officially denied. During the First World War, many families displayed blue star flags, armbands, and pins as a way to show support for a family member serving in the armed forces. In the event that a family member died in military service, the blue star would then be replaced with a gold one. 
In an effort to process their grief, Gold Star mothers and widows formed community groups where they could share their experiences and find constructive ways to honor their fallen loved ones. Once the war was over, many of the women longed to visit the graves of their sons and husbands overseas, but doubted they'd ever have the means to do so. Throughout the 1920s, these women fervently appealed to Congress to fund a series of Gold Star pilgrimages to Europe. It took years of advocacy from numerous veterans and Gold Star organizations, but finally, in March of 1929, the women got their wish. As one of his final acts in office, President Calvin Coolidge authorized $5.8 million for a program to send Gold Star women to France. The approval came just in time, as later that year, a stock market crash would plunge the U.S. into the Great Depression. Economic conditions had severely worsened by the time of the first pilgrimages in spring of 1930, but since the funding had already been allocated, the trips continued, as scheduled, during each spring and summer from 1930 to 1933. In total, roughly 6,700 women of all races took part in the voyages. The press touted the democratic spirit of the program, pointing out that the U.S. government had opened it to all women, regardless of religion, income, or social status. In recognition of their civic contributions, the Gold Star women would be treated equally and treated well. However, in early 1930, the Hoover administration dropped a bombshell. It announced that, quote, in the interests of the pilgrims themselves, the women would be divided by race during the trip. Despite this already discriminatory treatment, the government maintained that, quote, no discrimination whatever will be made. Surprisingly, or maybe unsurprisingly, Hoover's staff was caught off guard by the resulting backlash. The black community mobilized right away, with black journalists and activists firing off hundreds of passionate articles and letters in hopes of pressuring the government to reverse its decision. One letter reminded policymakers that, quote, colored boys fought side by side with the white, and they deserved the due respect. Now, they argued, their wives and mothers deserve the same. The Chicago Defender called the program the crowning insult in a long list of abuses by Hoover's administration, and one outraged Philadelphia widow cut straight to the point, asking, quote, must these noble women be Jim Crowed and humiliated on such a sacred occasion? Signed petitions from around the country were sent to the Secretary of War and to the President himself. One, in particular, was sent from a group of black Gold Star women who hailed from 21 different states. The women expressed their disappointment and their indignation, writing, quote, When the call to arms came from our government in 1917, mothers, sisters, and wives, regardless of race, color, or creed, were asked to give their loved ones that the world might be saved for democracy. This call we answered freely and willingly. But twelve years after the armistice, the high principles of 1918 seem to have been forgotten. We who gave and who are colored are insulted by the implication that we are not fit persons to travel with other bereaved ones. Instead of making up parties of gold star mothers on the basis of geographical location, we are set aside in a separate group, Jim Crowed, separated and insulted. President Hoover referred the petition to his War Department, 
which ultimately declined the request on May 29, 1930. In a tone-deaf response, the administration insisted the segregated trips were in everyone's best interest, saying, quote, Mothers and widows would prefer to seek solace in their grief from companions of their own race. When the War Department refused to back down, civil rights groups such as the NAACP began urging black women to boycott the program unless the rule was abolished. This left the women with a heart-rending choice, take a stand against segregation or visit the final resting place of their son or husband. Black male activists said it would dishonor the fallen sacrifice to travel under the conditions the government proposed. And white male Democratic politicians applied pressure as well, spreading false rumors that the women would be sent to France on cattle boats. It was a cruel and unfair position to be put in, to be forced to choose between a cause and closure, between communal allegiance and a personal one. They had already lost so much and were now being asked to give up what might have been their only chance to say goodbye. In the end, about two dozen women canceled their reservations and never made the pilgrimage to Europe. The rest, some 279 mothers and widows, joined one of six all-black groups and went to visit their loved ones' graves. Those who did never regretted it, and upon their return to the U.S., many of them praised the treatment they received, and a few even encouraged other women to accept the government's invitation before it was too late. It was heartening to hear that black gold star women had been warmly welcomed in Paris, with crowds of cheering Parisians and American expats coming out to meet them at the train station. They were also treated with respect by the army officers and nurses who oversaw the trips and made all the arrangements. And although the black mothers and widows had different itineraries than the white women, they were treated to many of the same lavish meals and receptions, as well as to sightseeing tours of the Louvre, Versailles, and Napoleon's tomb. Their trips to the battlefields and military cemeteries were conducted separately as well, but wreath-laying ceremonies and memorial services were afforded to each group. That said, the black gold star mothers and widows did receive lower-quality accommodations during their pilgrimages. White women made the journey aboard luxury ocean liners, while African-American women had to settle for passage aboard modified freight ships. Once they arrived in France, the black and white groups were taken to Paris aboard separate trains and checked into different hotels. The white women stayed closer to the center of the city, while the black women were housed farther out, near the edge of town. Many of the black women who went to France, as well as those who stayed behind, were deeply conflicted about their choices. For others, however, taking what was likely a once-in-a-lifetime trip was the easiest decision they ever made. According to one mother, quote, Ever since I lost my son in 1918, I have been wanting to come. I would have come over on a cattle boat. I would have swam if possible. I love my race as strongly as any other, but when I heard that the United States was going to send us over, I could not refuse. If you ask me, the only ones who should have been second-guessing themselves were the U.S. government and the racists it had feared to offend. Because as Gold Star mother and poet Ruby Berkeley Goodwin once wrote, If, in other years, mothers still know the agony of seeing strong young sons marched off to war, yet come back still enslaved to old concepts and stifling bigotries, the cause is lost.
Many of the details shared in today's show come from the research of Francis Clark and Rebecca Jo Plant, the authors of a Journal of American History article called The Crowning Insult, Federal Segregation and the Gold Star Mother and Widow Pilgrimages of the Early 1930s. If you'd like to learn more about this topic, their paper would be a perfect place to start. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, consider keeping up with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to pass them along by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays and Ben Hackett for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.